With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck! It's great to have the iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcoming us to a brand new edition of Between the Links, live here on MMAfighting.com. Hope you're all having a wonderful week as we are on the road to UFC 259 Going down next Saturday, the go-home event, of course, UFC Vegas 20, going down this Saturday night at the Apex in Las Vegas. We had a fun event this past Saturday, and even the welterweight division in the UFC has gotten a bit more interesting since we last spoke, and we're going to get into all that and much more this week. As always, we want to hear from all of you throughout the program, your thoughts on the certain topics we discuss, how you score these rounds. Let us know in the live chat and we'll get the best ones up on the screen. But let's get right after this thing. The BTL title is officially on the line. Here are the competitors first. And as we have seen in this crazy sport of ours over the last year, anything can happen. Sometimes last minute heading into a matchup. And that is what's happening here. Brian Kelleher was scheduled to be the challenger. He couldn't make it. So stepping in on super short notice from the score Mr. Nick Baldwin. Nick, how are you, sir? Thank you for stepping in and, and saving the day, kind sir. I'm doing good. Thank you, Mike, for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I'm not a fighter, but I guess I can bring something to the table. I'm not sure what that is, but we'll figure it out. Thanks again for having me and uh, looking forward to this. Absolutely. And introducing the brand new BTL champion once again. He's back with the belt around his waist. He put an end to the reign of Josh Gross last week in a spirited battle. From MMAfighting.com, the host of the A-Side Live Chat, and much more, Mr. Jose Youngs. How are you, champ? Oh, you know, just another glorious day here in sunny, beautiful Phoenix. I don't even remember what snow is like. I'll let you Canadians and New Englanders remind me what that's like. But Brian Kelleher obviously forgot his crystals. It is what it is. 
I'm not going to fault the man. I, of course, have gone into battle many times without my crystal and have felt the wrath of the crystalless fight. So uh, can't blame him for that. He can come get this whenever he wants. So last week, I beat up on Josh Gross, the OG of the MMA media game. If you got to drag some other body out and I have to beat the new generation too, so be it. But it is what it is, as one Max Holloway said. There you go. A lot of support for Jose thus far. But uh, let's uh-huh. get right into this thing. Let us discuss the heavyweight division in the UFC because it was on full display last week. It'll be on display this weekend as well and next month with the title on the line. But let's focus on UFC Vegas 19 and Derek Lewis's incredible, ferocious, and absolutely vicious knockout of Curtis Blades in the main event. After a really strong opening round from Curtis Blades, Lewis delivers one of the nastiest knockouts you will ever see in the second round, coming through with the biggest main event upset in the UFC since Michael Bisbing became the UFC middleweight champion at UFC 199, knocking out Luke Rockhold. So, Nick, we're going to begin with you, kind sir. Nice and easy. Your reaction to a massive win for Derek Lewis less than a week ago. Um, surprise. Surprise, I guess, is where I would start. Um, I picked Curtis Blades. I thought he would be able to at least take down Derek Lewis enough to win the fight, and lo and behold, he didn't take him down at all. So that that was probably actually the biggest surprise about the fight. Um, what wasn't surprising is that Derek Lewis won after being down in the first round, after losing that second round. Blades was doing really well on the feet, and then... Derek Lewis just did what Derek Lewis does. Big uppercut, and that was the fight. So um, relatively shocking shocking result in the sense that Derek Lewis won. I was fairly confident that Blades would get it done, but not so, not so surprising that Derek Lewis got another highlight reel knockout. Jose, we kind of got your instant reaction after the fight on Saturday on the post-fight show. I know you've talked about it on the A-side, but now that you've had some some time to let it all sink in and you've spoken about it on, on different platforms, how big was this win for Derek Lewis in the, in the grand scheme of things at heavyweight? I mean, anytime you win in the top five, especially when the heavyweight title is only is within less than a month of your big victory, it's a big thing. I just think Derek Lewis is one of those fighters that he said it himself, like the title is great, but he's fighting for that paycheck. He got the bonus. He got both of his paychecks. Uh, he's back in Texas, which is obviously still reeling from the massive blizzard. So I'm sure he's going to do great things with that. We saw what he did when the hurricane happened. He was driving around saving people. So uh, for a normal fighter, getting this big win on a big platform so close to not just the title fight, but probably another uh, contender fight with uh, Jairzinho, Rosenstreich, and Cyril Ghosn, they're going to be like, oh, this is great for my career. I'm looking at it from the perspective of Derek Lewis where – Awesome. I got both of my paychecks and $50,000 more. So, yeah, massive night for the Black Beast. Again, prize fighters. Derek Lewis has proved to be one of the most reliable prize fighters on the UFC roster. So, yeah, 10 out of 10 performance across the board from the heavyweight contender. To, to sort of build upon that, Jose, is it time to look at Derek Lewis as not just like a fun you know, prize fighter, but a serious threat to the title. It's not like he wasn't before, but people always view Derek as this, you know, fun follow on social media, this hilarious guy, this quote machine who can land a knockout at any point of a fight, doesn't watch the sport at all outside of his fight weeks, doesn't really care about titles, but it seems like he's putting it all together. Now, I know he's added some pieces to his team. You saw Lauren Murphy's husband, Joe, in his corner, who's an excellent jiu-jitsu coach and practitioner in his own right. Is it time to stop looking at Derek Lewis as the funny guy with the the best social media game outside of Darren Till and more as a legit threat to Stipe, Francis Ngannou, John Jones, whoever is in this division? I would say Derek Lewis is already the best Twitter follow 
Derek, Darren Till is chasing Derek Lewis at this point because Derek Lewis is winning, fighting, and being funny. Darren Till is only doing one of those things. So uh, I would say Derek Lewis, of course, you have to be, take him seriously. If he touches your jaw, you have to take him seriously because you're probably not going to remember when after the referee pulls him off of you. So uh, I don't know the answer to this because we haven't seen – we, we don't know. We don't know. That's like saying, oh, Francis Ngannou is putting together all of these this team to make him a complete fighter. All of his fights are like less than two minutes long, so we just don't know. For all we know, Derek Lewis is the best Gogo Plata practitioner in all of the UFC. We're just never going to see it because the second he touches you, you die. So – to TBD, if you fight someone like Stipe, uh, that that is obviously a master game planner. Uh, I think that's a better. That's that'll be a better um, gauge of Derek Lewis's skill set because we've seen him fight Daniel Cormier, who is the definition of a complete mixed martial artist, and that wasn't a great night for Derek Lewis. Yes, he took that fight on like like real short notice too. He only it was a month after he got that beat down, and he did win. But let's not forget, Volkov put it on Derek Lewis until again. Derek Lewis touched his jaw and killed a man on live television. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. TBD, I'll say. I know that's a cop-out, but I don't think anyone knows. So I think everyone will agree with me. What do you think, Nick? Are you going to cop out the same way? Or do, do you look at Derek Lewis? Have you seen enough evidence to, to prove that Derek Lewis is, in fact, a legit threat, a very scary guy for the Nganos and the Miocic's and, and the John Joneses of the world right now? I mean, how can you not? Like, this is a guy that no one ever thought Derek Lewis would sort of be that number one or number two ranked heavyweight in the world. But this win really does does catapult him into that category of of the heavyweight elite. Like, I didn't, I, I don't know if I really considered him an an elite heavyweight, the best of the best, before he knocked out Blades. But um, Blades was was in that category himself before this past weekend, and I think Derek Lewis has finally sort of cemented himself as one of the best heavyweights on the planet. He might all not all his performances might not always be the prettiest. He might be let, he might be down, he might be losing, but he finds a way to win and he's beaten some top guys. Um we have to start considering this guy a, a, a real threat in the division not just because uh, because of his power. If 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 Derek Lewis just had one punch KO power and sort of a puncher's chance, he wouldn't hold the the UFC knockout win record um in 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 history. And so you got to start looking at this guy as a guy that can really beat almost everybody in the heavyweight division. So what do we do with Derek Lewis now, Nick Baldwin? Is I mean, there's, there's this log jam up the top of this division. We got the title fight coming up on March 27th. John Jones is the looming factor. Do we do the winner of the fight this weekend between Jarzini and Cyril Gan? Is it over him? Because both guys seem to want that fight. Could it be the winner of Stipe versus Nganu if John Jones isn't ready, if he doesn't feel like he's bulked up enough or he can't come to financial agreements or terms with the UFC? Like, what do you think is next for Derek Lewis? Well, first of all, I hate the Overeem fight. Like, not just because it doesn't make sense at all on paper, but Overeem is, what, like 41, 42? He should just retire. He should, you know, ride off into the sunset, call, call it a career. Um, he doesn't need to be fighting Derek Lewis right now. And then the whole idea of that Derek Lewis wants to fight Alistair Overeem, give him what he wants, like, I just, it doesn't appeal to me, really, because Overeem is clearly past his prime. He's clearly towards the end of his career, and Derek Lewis is at the absolute peak right now. It, it, I, I don't like that for really either man. Um, but I suppose if, if, if Derek Lewis wants it, if Alistair Overeem wants it, I, I, I guess you could do it. But I think you do Derek Lewis versus the winner of this weekend's main event. Um, he's not getting a title shot with John Jones coming up to fight the winner of Stipe and Nagano too. Um, if John Jones wasn't in the picture, I think Derek Lewis 
would deserve a title shot. I think you do give him the winner of Ngannou and Stipe, but we know that's not going to happen, so he might as well get one more in, and uh, the winner of this weekend's main event between Rosenstrake and Gunn um, makes a lot of sense. Jose, what are we doing with Derek Lewis here? I mean, there's I don't think there's really a wrong answer with what this division looks like right now, but what are you doing with him if you had the, the magic pencil? Uh, again, I'm going to look at it from the perspective of the man who's going to get the paycheck and is going to get be the one that is going to be getting in a fist fight. Uh, I'm never going to be the one to tell someone to retire or especially a UFC fighter to retire, especially someone like uh, Al Strover, because, yeah, he lost to Alexander Volkov who is one of the greatest heavyweights uh, of all time. Like, I know he's relatively new to the UFC over the last few years. Former Bellator contender, champ, and all that stuff. Uh, beat Alistair Overeem. Alistair Overeem was on a two-fight win streak at that point. So, yeah, he got knocked out in the UFC heavyweight division. Water is wet. The sky is above us. Clouds are in the air. These are just all things that happen. Uh, if Derek Lewis is hell-bent on fighting Alistair Overeem, fine that's a paycheck for both men great they're prize fighters the beef is there if he really just wants to knock out curtis blades and alistair over him two guys uh that talked a whole lot of greasiness before they stepped in there and again got touched by Derek lewis so be it that's a nice easy paycheck for Derek Lewis, because again, I would favor Derek Lewis, Alistair Overeem, though Walt Harris, he did show, uh, Alistair Overeem did show he had a pretty solid chin uh, against Walt Harris um, and Augusto Sakai. I'm even going into the Volkov fight, kind of the narrative was Alistair Overeem has looked better than ever. Yeah, he he's, he can survive these 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 onslaughts of strikes. And then he just got his nose shattered in the first 30 seconds against Volkov and didn't survive. So if they want the most money and the biggest fight and the fight that will probably draw the most attention internationally, if Derek Lewis even cares about that, it's Derek Lewis versus Alistair Overeem. If he wants to stay moving forward, it's the winner of Cyril Gaon or Jair Zunior Rosenstrick versus Cyril Gaon. Uh, if John Jones wasn't there, he'd obviously probably fight the winner of Stipe Miocic and France Ngannou. Or if they just want to make John Jones versus Derek Lewis, that's fine too. But again, Derek Lewis is not a guy that really cares at this point, like who he fights. He wants that paycheck. Like he fought Eler Latifi. And who, what, on what planet did that fight make sense when that happened? He still just did it because it was a fight and he wanted to get that paycheck and fight in Houston. So my answer is whatever Derek Lewis wants is what Derek Lewis can have because he's the man of the hour right now. The Black Beast right now has one fight left in his current deal. I assume he'll be cashing in on that in a big way. But the other side of this equation, Curtis Blades also has one fight left on his deal after this fight, Jose. He's in a really interesting spot right now because with that loss, and it's unfortunate based on his overall resume, but he's going to take a big step back in the title picture. The guy is obviously super talented, no question about that. Probably the more complete fighter than Derek Lewis, if we're being honest at the, at, at this point in their careers. But so I, I guess like kind of a two-parter to wrap up this round, Jose. One, where does Curtis Blades go from here? And if you had to guess, once Blades takes some time, has this last fight on his deal, win or lose, do you think come 2022, Curtis Blades is still a UFC heavyweight? I do. I do think he'll still be uh, a UFC heavyweight because he's lost to two people. Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis. And again, those guys, they have what we call the touch of death, where again, you get touched by them in the jaw, 
when their fist is moving at a rapid pace, you're probably not going to remember the rest of the night. Uh, so, yes, I do believe Curtis Blades will be back. If he doesn't, if if he wants to test the waters of free agency, I, I, I am 100% in favor of that. I think a year ago, I would be 100% Curtis, not even a year ago, six months ago, I would be 100% Curtis Blades will be back. But I didn't expect Rumble Johnson to be gone. I didn't expect Romero to be gone. I kind of had a sense Anthony Pettis was on his way out uh, when he was taking all those fights that I, I kind of took everyone by surprise. I thought he was really trying to fight out his contract, but uh, Curtis Blades strikes me as someone who wants to make a lot of money, so that will be his priority too. He's very competitive. The best fights are going to be in the UFC heavyweight division. The Bellator heavyweight division is fun too, but it's just not. It doesn't have the same like top five, top ten where everyone is a killer in that division. Plus, he's hyper. He's super young. We just saw a bunch of young heavyweights win, so the future is bright for that division as. Uh, Jairzinho Rosenstreich said on virtual media day today. So yes, he will be back. And who should he fight next? I don't know. Uh, he's pretty much fought everyone already, or he's lost to everyone in the top 10. So he'll probably have like, uh, who's it? Sergey Pavlovich, maybe. Uh, he's not, he's kind of out of it unless they really want, unless he wants to fight way back and unranked like a Spivak or uh, uh, who else, who just won uh, Aspinall maybe, but I don't know. Uh, I but he'll be back, I think. Uh, I think we have a few of these fights coming up, like the the Rosen Street gone fight needs to happen. Maybe he fights the loser of that. Maybe he fights the loser of uh, uh, Miocic and Nganu. Oh, probably not Nganu because he's 0-2. Uh, so, as I always say, a few of these fights need to shake out first before we can really start fantasy matchmaking. Shout out. I think, I think it was Bunch Flood watching the program, taking a break from uh, giving out COVID vaccines. There it is. Well done. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that. And thank you for watching. What do you think, Nick? Because like, like we said, rankings are one thing, but like realistic positioning in a division is a totally different thing, especially in this division with titles and the John Jones factor. What do you do with Curtis Blades? And after this, this next fight, do you think he moves on to, to other pastures, so to speak? Well, in terms of his next fight, I think it probably makes sense for him to fight the loser of this weekend's main event. Kind of just do... January or February 20th winners and losers versus uh you know February 27th winners and losers um I think if Rosenstrike fall short or if gain um I think that would make a lot of sense and it'd be a fun fight um in terms of whether or not Blades is going to be on the UFC roster come 2022 I think it depends on on his next fight I think if he loses there's a real good chance that the answer is he won't be he'll he'll be in Bellator or or signing on with PFL for the next season or, or something else um, I think Dana White will just would just look at another Blades loss as, as an easy way to sort of let him go and, and let him you know go on to somewhere else where he is better liked, I suppose. Um, if he wins, I think it'll be a kind of tough call to make. I think the, Dana and the UFC will probably lean towards keeping him, but I, I, I wouldn't count out the possibility of him leaving after one more fight, regardless of if he wins or, or not. Um, Curtis Blades just isn't a guy the UFC is really looking to push. Um, he's been outspoken about fighter pay in the past year. Um, he's been very outspoken about not really wanting to engage on the feet with people. His bread and butter is wrestling, so we'll stick with that. And for what it's worth, I don't blame him. I think that's brilliant, but it's not going to make you, you know, this, this fan favorite fighter, so to speak. Um, so I, I, I think Blades will still be on the roster because I think he probably wins his next fight because he's still a top five heavyweight in the in the UFC. But if he does find a way, you know, somehow loses, uh, that could be it for for Curtis Blades in the UFC. I really do think so. Yeah, I could definitely see Blades. I, I think it's honestly, I think it's 
But I mean, that's kind of a cop-out answer, win or lose. But I, if Cyril Gan loses on Saturday, I hate the idea of Blades fighting Cyril Gan, like coming off of a loss. Because, I mean, you just you, you could completely just stunt Gan's growth altogether and just stop it right sure. in its tracks. You don't want to do that. But I get it. Heavyweight's very interesting right now. Look at it a year, two years ago. It was not this fun to talk about, but here we are after a big win from Derek Lewis. This is going to be a, a story to certainly keep an eye on. Massive win for Lewis. Amazing stuff for him. More on the heavyweight division and UFC Vegas 19 coming up in a matter of moments. But the point for round one goes to... The champ, Jose Young's on the board. Very close round. Very close round. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, let us... Uh... Let us take a look at the other heavyweight up-and-comers who had big wins this past Saturday. First fight of the night, we had Sergey Spivak dominating Jared Vandere. puts him away in round two. And we saw Tom Aspinall submit Andre Arlovsky in the second round on the main card. And then Chris Dawkins is now a top 10 UFC heavyweight after a first-round stoppage win over Alexi Olenek. So, Jose, we begin with you. Who impressed you the most out of these three gentlemen? You're muted. I think obviously, if the if the question is like who was the biggest winner, it's obviously Dawkins. But who impressed me the most was probably Aspinall because that first fight, like he was obviously quicker, and Andre Lasky was clearly trying to figure the figure it out, use his veteran wherewithal to kind of uh, 
get an opening to this this new rookie that was in attendance for one of his fights overseas. So yeah, that's obviously a big deal too. But man, that blast double leg that he hit on Andre Arlovsky caught Andre Arlovsky off guard because he made the foolish mistake of turning into the fence to try and get up. And Aspinall did again fought like a, a pure veteran as opposed to someone who's had less than five fights in the UFC. Snatched up that neck and choked him. And Andre Arlovsky immediately knew the mistakes he made and was so mad at himself. Shook Aspinall's hand and said, "Hey." You beat me fair and square and this and that. So I think if the question is who was the biggest winner, it's obviously Chris Dawkins because anytime you go from unranked to ranked, that's a massive story. Uh, but Tom Aspinall, man. Also, because let's not forget, for years, the, the whole narrative was people from England can't wrestle. People from England can't grapple. People can't do this and that. They're only boxers or kickboxers. And when you hit a blast double like double leg like that against someone who is old enough to be your dad and then choke them out and, uh, and then tap them, yeah. Tom Aspinall blew me away uh, on Saturday night. Agree or you go in another direction, Nick Baldwin? I would love to disagree, but I can't. I'm going Tom Aspinall as well. Uh, I think it comes down to the fact that he submitted Andre Orlovsky, became only the second man after Josh Burnett to, to beat him via that method, where just sort of TKOing a Linux. I mean, it was an impressive win from, from Chris Dawkins, absolutely, and probably he gained the most compared to Aspinall, but – that is how you beat Olenek. He's lost like that many times before, especially recently um, as he sort of is getting towards the end of his career. So I think Tom Aspinall show, showed more tools. Um, I, I think he showed a bit more upside in the sense that, you know, you know, three or you know, a couple of years down the road, I think we're going to be talking a bit more about Tom Aspinall than we will about Chris, uh, than we will about Chris Dawkins. Um, so I'm going to Tom Aspinall, but they both were, were really good performances. So moving forward, Mr. Baldwin, a very popular piece of matchmaking, at least fantasy matchmaking, coming out of this past Saturday is, you know what? Let's just throw Dacus and Aspinall in there right now. It's time. There are other folks against this idea. And we got three like up-and-coming heavyweights who had big wins and big performances coming off the same card. Would you do Dacus versus Aspinall now? Or would you wait till they're a little bit close to a title fight like how would you match make the heavyweight division with these three gentlemen first of all i agree with luke the, the comment there that jose should have a point deducted because of his mic thing off the top but that's another story um in, in terms of the matchup between aspital and docus i wouldn't hate it to be honest I, I i don't mind pairing two prospects up against each other seeing which one is sort of the better man at that point um seeing which one can you know the ufc should build up and and look to promote and and push towards the top of the division but heavyweight needs prospects mike you mentioned how the heavyweight division is better than it is right now than it was a few years ago and i absolutely agree but there still isn't beyond the top seven or so. There's still not a ton to like in the 8 to 15 range and, of course, beyond that. So I think killing off a guy like Tom Aspinall or Chris Dawkins right now um, would be a bad idea. Those guys are kind of like the two heavyweight prospects we're thinking of right now in the UFC. And I think you've got to keep them both going. Give them veterans. I don't love the sort of idea, oh, let's, uh, let's throw a washed-up JDS to one of them um, and, and let JDS get knocked out again. That's just sad to me. I don't want to see that. Um, I would prefer like a matchup, kind of like the Marcin Tybura sort of, sort of fight, Sergei Pavlovich, that kind of range, a guy in the top 10 to top 15, um, but not a, not a legend that is complete, you know, almost at, at retirement. I don't think that's a good idea either. What say you, Jose? Are we doing Doc as Aspinall or do you have a – you have different directions for these gentlemen 
I mean, I like that fight as a high-level martial arts competition, but I don't think Chris Dawkins would take that fight anyway because he's pretty gung-ho on fighting someone ahead of him. Obviously, Tom Aspinall will take that fight to fight a, a, someone in the top 10 right now. Uh, he's I, He just looks physically bigger than Dawkins, too. We were all saying, like, we think Dawkins could even fight a light heavyweight if he really put his mind to it and cut down all that weight. Don't know how viable that is when you have a full-time job as a police officer and you're protecting your neighbor in your neighborhoods and communities and, you know, getting shot at, like he said at one of his media days so um who would i match him up with uh maybe blagoy ivanov i know marcin tabura has a fight coming up walt harris maybe uh i know tom aspinall called out sergey spivak on fight island and we were all very confused by it he said they had both agreed to fight before the fights had fallen out uh they ended up getting booked on the same car but not against each other they both had really impressive performances to the point where we're here on between the links arguing over who had the most impressive performance so if they want to do aspinall spivak i think spivak's not quite a prospect anymore aspinall is 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 one more win i don't think he's going to be considered a prospect anymore either so maybe that fight um other than that yeah uh who it's it's just it, i don't know i don't know it's the again the ufc division has to have a lot of these fights coming out but this whole narrative of, i don't want to give him a, a heavyweight that's going out on that's going to be retiring soon and kind of going out and they're out, they're already one foot out the door that's the name of the game man you put someone over before you're out the door before you move on to the next territory if you want to go from the wwf back to smoky mountain wrestling in the 1980s you got to put <laughs> over the guy's champion and then you move on so yeah if they want to do JDS versus Dawkins before JDS retires, so be it. Because that's what that again, it's the tale as old as time. You want of course everyone wanted Kurt Angle to wrestle John Cena in his last match. Instead, he went out and put over Baron Corbin. So there you go. Do the professional wrestling route. Chris Dawkins, JDS. I think JDS has a real good chance of winning that fight because he is a legitimate heavyweight. Dawkins is quick. He's not that big. I just like that fight as a martial arts comp- competition regardless because look at everyone else that JDS has lost to. Curtis Blades, Cyril Gaon, Francis Ngannou. Where are they? What are they doing right now? They're all fighting for a title, fighting for a number one contender spot. So if they want to do that with Dawkins, great. And then they can do Spav- Pav- bleh. Spivak versus Aspinall too. I'm all about it. <laughs> wow the uh the piped in round of applause uh so obviously those performances all the heavyweights stuck out on saturday nick let me start with you here what other performance from ufc vegas 19 needs to get a little more shine a little more love what one that's just not getting the the credit it deserves based on this this heavyweight you know just all this this heavyweight madness coming out of that event well, I was really impressed with Derek Minner's perform- uh, win over uh, Charles Rosa. I thought that was an incredible win. He dominated Rosa on the ground for three rounds. A very, very lopsided win, very easy win for him. And this is a guy that that needed it. He was coming off, um, I, I believe, a loss, but he might have been coming off a win. I, I don't remember at this point. But he hadn't really had like a breakthrough performance in his UFC career thus far, and I think this is what that was. Charles Rosa is a very respected featherweight. He's been around for a long time. And uh, he has some has some decent wins himself, but Derek Minner just put you know put the wood chipper on him, so to speak. Uh, this guy looked really good. I think teaming up with James Krause at uh, Glory MMA and Fitness, I think, yeah, has been doing wonders for him. Apparently, um, this was his first camp and fight with with that team. So I'm all of a sudden kind of on the Derek Minner train. I think this guy can do some big things in in the featherweight division. Jose, what's your under-the-radar, I guess, 10th player award winner from UFC Vegas 19? 
John Castaneda, man, or John Castaneda, however you want to pronounce it, if you want to angleize it or whatever. I mean, anytime you beat someone of Eddie Wyland's stature, like we were all talking about, oh, if Eddie Wyland has an impressive performance uh, and loses, is it enough to hang up? Uh, we were talking about if he wins, will he, will he want to retire on, on a victory like Ricardo Lamas? But, man, John Castaneda loses to Nathaniel Wood. And he like a pretty dominantly. And then he goes out there and has to fight Eddie Wyland, who's looking to erase the Sugar Sean fight. And he unloads like a picture perfect combination. It was like a video game. It's like you're fight, doing like a fight night video game where it's like pop, 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 pop against the fence. And all of a sudden, Eddie Wyland with his with his old style mustache and, and street boxing style stance, all of a sudden his, his eyes are in the back of his head and he's unconscious before his butt touches the canvas. So, yeah, John Castaneda pretty much blew me away mostly because everyone else was praising the heavyweights and Julian Arosa with the flying knee, Jan's Gunitz guy moving up in the bantamweight division. And nobody's talking about John Castaneda's performance. So I did it for him. Congratulations, John. Tremendous performance. Yes. Big win for sexy Maxi. Absolutely. It was a fun event for sure. Saw some, uh, some good stoppages, some good fights. We'll look ahead to this Saturday and how it affects the heavyweight division in round four, but the point for round two will go to. Nicholas Baldwin. He's on the board. It's tied up one-to-one. The muting bike, you know, kind of kind of knocked you down at first, and then Nick just kind of <laughs> brought the heat the rest of the way. But uh, let us go back to Tuesday here on MMAfighting.com on the latest episode of What the Heck. It dropped, and it kicked off with a very interesting interview with the nicest MFR champion, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Now, as we know, Wonderboy isn't necessarily the call-out type. However, comes on the show... And he shoots his shot, calls for Kamar Usman, wants the next shot at the welterweight title. Usman calls for Mazadal after his win over Gilbert Burns. We talked about that last week on the program. Since then, Usman has said, you know what? Not feeling that generous anymore. Anybody can get the next shot. And there are reports out there that the fight between Usman and Mazadal is the front runner still to this point. But there has been a lot of support for Wonderboy in the fan community getting the shot because... It's a fresh matchup. He's the only guy in the top five that Usman hasn't fought or beat. And Wonderboy is saying, hey, you know what? Fight somebody you haven't fought before. Give me the shot. So, Nick, we're going to start with you. What are your thoughts on Wonderboy's idea? Does Stephen Thompson have a point? He absolutely does. I think it, with the welterweight climate as it stands, you have to shoot your shot. This is a guy that has you know fought for the title before. He's one of the best in the division still. Um, and uh, and it's a fresh matchup, as you said, Mike. Um, I think that there, there isn't a clear-cut next challenger for Usman, as we've sort of been talking about as as the, the landscape is is sitting right now. Jorge Masvidal, it sounds like he'll get the title shot, but he's coming off a loss to Usman. I don't like that matchup at all. There's no need to run it back this soon. Um, Colby Covington only has one win since getting knocked out by Usman. Leon Edwards hasn't fought for almost two years. Um so why not shoot your shot? Like, he, it's not a far-fetched idea. And personally, I love the matchup. I think this is one of the most intriguing fights for Usman. I don't know if when they actually get into the cage, if it's the most competitive matchup for Usman, I would still lean towards the champion. But in terms of how they pair up on paper, Wonderboy's unorthodox striking style, his stance, I think could give the Nigerian nightmare some problems. Um, whereas a fight with Colby Covington probably goes similarly to, to how it played out in 2019. So I give 
Wonderboy credit for for calling a shot. I think it makes sense. I don't think it'll happen because I don't think the UFC's you know invested in that matchup per se. But I don't I don't blame Wonderboy for for trying whatsoever. I think it's actually a smart thing to do. Why not? <laughs> uh, BTL is, is uh, recorded in front of a live studio audience. What do you think, Jose? Is, is Wonderboy bringing a uh, a compelling argument to the table here? Yeah, I mean the argument is. He's he's been active, the others haven't. Usman's fought everyone else, and he's the highest ranked fighter that Kamar Usman hasn't fought. That's the story right there. Also, Stephen Thompson is still uh, on the other side. On on the he's not quite forty yet, uh, but he's getting up there in age. I would like to see uh, Stephen Thompson get at least one more shot at the belt before uh, he hangs it up for good. And I understand Kamar Usman calling out Jorge Masvidal. Cause I, again, I would favor Kamar Usman against Jorge Masvidal. Uh, I think Kamar Usman knows he can beat Jorge Masvidal every single time. Uh, and he wants that lottery ticket, man. They're prize fighters. I mean, if, if, if Jorge Masvidal goes out there, loses to Colby Covington, that just completely lowers his stock. And I, I think to Kamar, to Kamar Usman, Jorge Masvidal presents the lowest risk and the highest reward. We saw the Stephen Thompson fights against Tyron Woodley, and the first one was great, but the second one was so ill-received that people got mad at Tyron Woodley for how he fought against Stephen Thompson. And he won, and he was the champion. Uh, Colby Covington, the fight's always going to be there. It's one of the best welterweight title fights I have ever seen. Uh, so if they want to do Colby Covington versus Leon, the winner of Leon Edwards, Bilal Muhammad, that's fine too. Probably not going to happen, but I completely understand uh, the fan support behind Stephen Thompson. I am there, right there with them. I think 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, we'd probably be preview- we would be previewing Kamar Usman versus Stephen Thompson because remember when they made Brock Lesnar versus Frank Mir 3 and then they canceled it because Dana White said the fans didn't want it? Yeah, 10, 12 years ago, Dana White's listening to the fans. But I've, as I've said a thousand times, <laughs> UFC don't want to make fights that make sense. They want to make the fights that are big spectacles uh, that make a lot of money, which is completely fine because everyone wants – it's a money-making business. They're all prize fighters. It just kind of hurts the fighters like Stephen Thompson that aren't going to go out there and talk all that greasiness and all that stuff. So don't blame the UFC if they want to make Kamar Usman versus Hori Mazal because, of course, that's the biggest that's the biggest drawing power. I think Colby Covington is the most competitive, but the fight – that makes sense, and it's the right fight to make is Stephen Thompson. So Kamar Usman basically has the choice of three, maybe four, if Leon Edwards wins. So, yeah, they're all fighting for a shot at the champion. Kamar Usman is uh, pretty much just throw a name, throw a dart at a board with names on it, fight that guy, and there's a compelling argument for any of them. It's a much better position than he was in like last summer, right? It's coming off the yeah. the win over Mazadal. It was short notice. Everyone was giving Mazadal props for cutting the weight and taking the fight on six days notice. Usman wasn't getting any shine. Got booed mercilessly from the fans for the performance that he had because he was foot stomping and all this stuff. But a win is a win, and that's what happened. So, Nick, you, you sort of touched on it. I understand, and even Wonderboy understands, that the better box office draw for this division and for the UFC is obviously Usman versus Mazadal, but putting the fan hat on what fight would you rather see is it Usman Mavzadal is it Usman Covington 2 Usman Wonderboy Usman Kiesa Usman Leon like Usman versus anybody what do you think my personal preference which maybe isn't the personal preference of a lot of people but it's it's the Edwards fight if Edwards gets past Bilal I know 
it, it doesn't it, it barely seemed like Leon would deserve it because he hasn't fought in almost two years and Blah Muhammad's ranked like number 13th in the division. But I mean, people kind of thought Leon Edwards should have gotten a title shot back when he bought uh, when he fought RDA. It seems less and less impressive as RDA sort of is now in the lightweight division, lost some more at Waltweight. But I mean, people were calling for Leon to get a title shot at that point two years ago. Uh, I don't think a layoff should change it that much when there isn't a clear cut contender. If Edwards beats Muhammad, that's the fight to make for me. Um, and then the Wonder Boy matchup is is right number two for me. I, I mean, when there are matchups that haven't happened or at least haven't happened for a while, I'm always going to prior you know prioritize um, those fights. Uh, I'm talking about Edwards and Wonder Boy rather than the Covington and Masvidal fights, which we've seen in the past two years, and which um, the Covington fight would be would be interesting to see. I, I'd like that, but. Um, I, I have no problem if Colby needs one more win. I, I think that's fine. And then, as I said, again, the Masvidal fight, I have no interest really in that at all. I didn't, I mean, the, the first fight wasn't that enjoyable. It wasn't, you know, uh, competitive really. And so I think Masvidal should get at least a win, but sounds like it'll happen because she draws the most eyes. Jose, remember when you were at UFC 258 just a couple of weeks ago and Bilal Muhammad is sitting there and you're asking him these great questions about the call-outs and he's just like, I'm not going to call out Colby. I'm just going to make the sensible call-out. I'm going to call out Li Jing Liang. Now he's fighting Leon Edwards and there's all this talk about what if Leon wins? Does he get the title shot? Has he done enough to get there? What if Bilal Muhammad wins? What if he goes in there and beats Leon Edwards? Does this shake up the whole division or does this get chalked up as great win but leon hasn't fought in two years no way if you if he go like <laughs> okay if ha, what was hamza shamayev ranked 15th and he had not even fought a welterweight yet so if below muhammad sits at 15 and then he beats Leon edwards the the conversation we're having about hamza Erase Hamza and write in Bilal Muhammad. That's what we need to be doing if he wins. Like he's in the same position. He just has less of the machine behind him. So if Bilal Muhammad beats Leon Edwards, which I favor Leon Edwards, and I think I know Bilal Muhammad won't take that as an insult because he is taking this fight on short notice. And he is by far one of the most media savvy and best breakdown. Uh, he is a phenomenal breakdown person for when it comes to fights. That's not an insult on Bilal Muhammad. I think he would agree. Um, if Bilal Muhammad wins, I want to see Bilal Muhammad fight Colby Covington because he's called out Colby Covington for years, even before this whole stick. And the whole stick that Colby Covington did was obviously ruffled a lot of feathers in a very, very specific demographic. Bilal Muhammad is that demographic. If he wants to fight Colby Covington, and it will just be the most – like I know – I'm not saying either either fighter will go there. The fans will just turn – like the very specific group of fans will just turn evil, and it will be awful to talk – awful to cover. But I again, that fight would make sense. Uh, Mazudal can go fight Kamar Usman. They can go fight tough. They can go do whatever. Or if if uh, they want to do Kamar Usman versus Wonderboy and Hori Mazudal just sits on the side and waits. Michael Chiesa is out there too. That's fine too. If they want to do Bilal Muhammad versus Michael Chiesa, that's fine too. But we have to start talking about Bilal Muhammad being a top five welterweight if he beats Leon Edwards because that is the conversation we would be having if Hamza Shemaev. Uh, fall. Remember when Hamza won his second fight over Reese McKee at welterweight? Someone, a very specific person on the ones and twos, a.k.a. the truck, is like, throw him in there against Kamara Usman. Throw him in there against the champ. We're probably not going to be having that same conversation with if Bilal Muhammad wins, but 
I think he would deserve that comment. Not to fight for the championship, obviously, but any argument we have for Hamza Shamayev being a contender, we have to have the same conversation with Bala Muhammad if he beats Leon Edwards. Another another round of applause from the capacity crowd here. Nick, you and I kind of shout out to the to the late great Brian Levick, but you and I were interviewing Bilal Muhammad in Titan FC. And now look at him. He's here getting a big main event spot on March 13th. What if he wins? What does that do to the welterweight division? Well, Jose said you do the Covington fight, which I wouldn't be against, but and and he said you don't necessarily give him a title shot. But I say you do. If Blah Muhammad goes out there and beats Leon Edwards, whether it's a close decision or, or a first round knockout, you give him the title shot. I know it's not gonna happen because Dana White would just say, Oh, Leon Edwards hasn't fought for two years. He clearly was, you know, ring rust and Blah Muhammad still needs to get another big win. But that is a big win. Leon Edwards, I don't care about the layoff. That is a huge win for Blah Muhammad if it happens. And you jump at that opportunity um, in, in terms of, you know, what makes the most sense. He would be the highest ranked fighter that Usman hasn't fought at that point. He would be above Wonderboy most likely because Edwards is number three. I think Wonderboy is number five or so. Um, and that that would be the fight to make. Covington fought Usman less than two years ago. Masvidal fought him last year. As I said, I'm I'm a, I'm about the fresh matchups. I'm about the the the, the new challenges for Kamara Usman, who is already starting to clean out the division a little bit. Um, so I I would say give that shot to Bilal if he beats Edwards because I think they would have given Shemaev the the title shot if he beat Edwards. So I agree with Jose. You talk about Bilal Muhammad the same way we were talking about Kamza Shemaev. It's not going to happen, but that's what should happen and what would make sense. To kind of bring it back to where this question stemmed from, and I know it's we're playing the hypothetical game. This is this is a guess, but I like to to play the if you had twenty dollars of supplemental income game. Nick Baldwin, true or false? Stephen Thompson will be fighting for the welterweight title before the end of the year. False, just because I think they'll probably do the Jorge Masvidal rematch, and after that they'll probably look to do Colby Covington because he's the next biggest fight for Usman, and we will probably get these rematches. Even if Edwards beats Bilal Muhammad, which I expect to happen, I still don't think a title shot is guaranteed for him. If he beat Shemaev, I think then we would have been talking about Usman and Leon. But with win over Bilal Muhammad, who, despite an impressive 9-3 record in the UFC, is still kind of just trying to gain notoriety in the sport, um, I don't think that's going to cut it in the eyes of Dana White and and the matchmakers. So... um, yeah, I guess I kind of got off from Wonderboy there, but uh, to, to wrap it up, I don't think Wonderboy is going to be fighting for the title. I think they'll look to do Jorge and then probably Colby. What do you think, Jose? True or false? Wonderboy, title shot, 2021. In this hypothetical scenario where I had $20 in my pocket, is Kamara Usman still the champ in this in this hypothetical fight, or does Jorge Masvidal beat him? If that happens, if Jorge Masvidal beats Kamara Usman, in this in this hypothetical magical world, uh, then probably because he beat Jorge Masvidal, and I we've all seen the interviews. Like our old colleague Pete Carroll and I interviewed uh, Jorge Masvidal during his Recuerdo launching, and he said he wants to rematch Stephen Thompson and he wants to rematch Damian Maya. If Jorge Masvidal goes out there and just cooks up Kamara Usman, yes, the trilogy fight is there. But if they want to do Usman versus Covington and then Masvidal versus Thompson too, that's fine as well. The fact that we're having this conversation just shows how amazing the welterweight division is. But I also think, because Bilal Muhammad is, is doing this now, Kevin Holland did this 
the Marvin Vittori did this. The fighters that are ready to go when the UFC calls you are the fighters that are going to get these big these big opportunities. So Stephen Thompson recovers from the sur- his injuries and surgeries and is just always ready to go. Why not? Because like fighters have fallen out. Like remember when remember when uh, uh, who uh, Chaz Skelly was supposed to have a fight last weekend? What happened? They've got the fight fell out and he was in the octagon. So for all we know, one of these fighters could fall out. And who needs to step up? Stephen Thompson can step up and fight one of these top five fighters. So yeah, I'll say true. Uh, if Jorge Masvidal wins, his chances obviously drastically grow. If the UFC want to make him versus Kamaru for the title because they want to, if Kamaru and him wants a fresh matchup, that's fine too. I just think outside of Usman, Stephen Thompson is sitting in a good seat right now. Yeah, I think he made I think he made the welterweight division much more interesting this week with the with these interviews and the callouts and all that stuff. He let people know there's another option in there besides just Mazadal. Like I said before, I'm not against the Mazadal fight because I thought it kind of forces the rest of the division to play out and get busy. That's why I'm not against it. I, I don't expect Mazadal to win that fight, but I get where he's coming from. Make that bank son. I get it. But uh, it would be cool to see Wonder Boy get the shot this year at 38 years of age. But uh, we're going to get ready for the final round of regulation. The point for round three goes to. <clears throat> Nick Baldwin. I liked, I liked your passion, brother. I liked, I liked your passion. I liked it again. It's not whether I agree or disagree. It's how you present your argument. You both guys both presented great arguments, but you know, you kind of think about what, what, what sticks out at the end of the day. And for some reason, Nick stuck out to me. There it's great battle we go to round four listen if you watch the show you know where this is going don't worry about it but uh support for this show comes from atlassian atlassian software like jira confluence and loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great but together we're so much better that's why millions of teams around the world including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Back to Las Vegas we go, and back to the heavyweight division we go. UFC Vegas 20 goes down in around 48 hours or so. Main event, like we talked about, an important one for the big boys. we got Jarzinho Rosenstrike taking on the surging contender Cyril Gunn. Original main event, of course, is Dominic Reyes versus Yuri Prohashka. That was postponed after Reyes got injured. This fight gets moved up a couple weeks, and it works out great because the current divisional storylines, it's a beautiful thing. So, Jose... What sticks out to you at this fight? Where do you rank the importance of this main event on Saturday? 
I mean, it's it's hugely important because for years, for years, we talked about how the UFC heavyweight division was where the old men went. Where like, oh, you don't have to cut weight so you can fight longer. Remember when like the youngest fighters in the UFC heavyweight division were the Junior Dos Santos and the King Velasquez, and then they kind of got old and they faded out. And then we had like, who is the top of the division? Like Barnett, Arlovsky, JDS. Like these are all former champions that have like 10 plus fights in the UFC. Now we have like Curtis Blades burst onto the scene. Cyril Gaon is bursting on the scene. And Ganu, Rosenstreak, Dawkins, Aspinall, Spivak. Like these are all names uh, that are the future of the heavyweight division. So while it's, I don't think at the present time it's the most stacked it's ever been, the future has never been brighter. Also, we're taught like going back to the first question, the John Jones president and the John Jones factor obviously is looming over as Max Holloway said in your interview, he referred to himself as the cloud over the, the featherweight title fight. John Jones is the storm cloud over this entire division because he obviously gets the title shot first whenever he wants it. If Francis Ngannou wins, the trilogy fight with Stipe Miocic is probably there. He's going to fight John Jones because I do think uh, Francis Ngannou versus John Jones is the biggest fight they can make in the heavyweight division right now, especially if the title is on the line. But if he wins and Stipe holds out and gets the trilogy fight again like he did against DC when DC knocked him out and then DC fought Derek Lewis and then they, he, he did the rematch against Stipe, that is always is looming too so you knock off one guy in in Jairzinho or Cyril Gong one of them knocks out the other and then Derek Lewis is right there waiting for him another knockout artist who is an incredibly popular fighter who while he's not going to be the most charismatic fighter in terms of like the Connors or the Mosley dolls or the Kobe Covingtons and where they're phenomenal on the mic. He is an incredibly popular fighter. They can all headline cards. Uh, historically, they love headlining fight nights with these U- UFC heavyweight knockout artists. So hugely important for not just the title implications, but the future of the division, because uh, it's kind of like the last linchpin in these fights. Cause we've had all these big heavyweight fights happening. The title fight is obviously what everyone wants, but this is the fight that's going to really open up the rest of the division. Because like I said, you don't want, I don't like fantasy matchmaking until all the fights have played out because what if someone gets hurt? What if it's a draw? Like we were talking about, Oh, who should figure out a fight if, next if he beats Brandon Moreno. And then what happened? It fought to a draw. What if someone gets a six month title suspension? What if someone pops not saying anyone will, but these are all factors we have to play into. What if someone gets COVID and the, again, they weigh in. Doesn't mean they're going to fight. Doesn't mean they're going to fight if they weigh in. So let's get the fight over first before we can finish the match make, but hugely important for the future of the division. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course it's an important fight. I, I think this is just another matchup. Um, February has been all about the heavyweights. We had Overeem Volkov at, at the start of the month. We just had Blades and Lewis, and now we have this matchup between Rosenstrike and uh, Gunn. And it's kind of just one of those other fights that is contributing to this recent rebirth of the division. Um, the winner is going to be basically the, the second guy in line um, after, well, I guess, after Jones and then Derek Lewis and then Francis and Ghanu gets a shot. But he'll be right up there, whether it's Rosenstrike or gone. Um, as we spoke about earlier, it'll probably be the winner of this fight against Derek Lewis. Um, I will fantasy match make. What the hell? Um and yeah, I, I think it's an awesome matchup. I think people are looking forward to it and, and it, the stakes are high. Um, the winner is going to be an elite heavyweight and the loser is going to be sort of in that seven to 10 range with sort of everybody else. And so um, stakes are high. It's a great matchup and the winner is going to be right up there for a title shot. Probably one more win away. Look, we're all aware. You guys both just mentioned it, where the winner goes from here. Maybe they 
get into the fight with Derek Lewis with the win. But I am curious to get your thoughts on this, Nick, and then I'll go to you, Jose. What do you think is the better outcome for the division and for the UFC moving forward based on the pieces that are in place? A Jarzinho win or a Cyril Gon win? I think gone for sure, just because Rosenstrike has already fought in Ghanu. Um, he's already had that big loss, so to speak, had, had a big fight, fall, fell short. Um, I don't think Jarzina Rosenstrike is is ready to be a title challenger. I don't think he's quite there yet. I, I still watch his fights, and, and I, I think there's still room to grow, but I don't think he's quite there yet. Even though Cyril Ghan has less experience as a professional than, than Rosenstrike does, I think Ghan is actually more developed. I think he is more ready to fight the best of the best and to possibly challenge for the title maybe in 2022. Um, so I think for the UFC, Ghan is um, the, the better fighter to win. I think he has a bit more upside. He hasn't lost as a professional hasn't lost in the UFC and uh, just more, a few, a couple more fresh matchups um, just because we've already seen Nagano and, and Rosenstrike fight. And, and we know how that one played out. Jose agree with Nick or is it better for the UFC if Jarzinho wins? Um, I think what would create better, um, uh, what would, cre- well, uh, I agree with the fresh matchup, especially if France and Ghana wins. Uh, so I think Cyril Gaon would make a, a, a more intriguing matchup. Also, Cyril Gaon is coach. Cyril Gaon's coach and Francis Ngannou are not the be- biggest friends right now. Uh, he, they, he, of course, went on the media rounds every time a microphone is stuck in front of him. He kind of throws Francis Ngannou under the bus. Uh, Francis Ngannou, uh, Cyril Gaon always said that he wouldn't fight Francis unless it was for a title. MMA is also legal in Paris now or France, I should say. So if the UFC is really kind of going to go gung-ho into that market once this pandemic passes, I can't imagine a better headliner for a pay-per-view than Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Gaon, two fighters with ties to Paris who can speak the language. So if that's how they're looking at it, of course it's going to be Cyril Gaon. Jairzinho Rosenstreich from Suriname is also a big deal too. Uh, he can speak multiple languages. He has that Dutch background. He has... He has 76 wins as a professional kickboxer. So and let and single digit losses. So if they really want to break into that 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 Suriname, he also has ties to Hollands in the Netherlands. Uh, that's another one too. But during this pandemic, they're out, they're fighting in Fight Island or they're fighting in Las Vegas. So how much that matters uh, is up in the air. But personally, I think Cyril Gaon would create much more interesting storylines. But a win is a win. Uh, you can't argue with results unless it's a super controversial, unless you're Junior Dos Santos and you get hit in the back of the head, apparently against Sergon, then you can argue for months and weeks after the fight, happened. but it is what it is. So Sergon creates more uh, interesting matchups, but I wouldn't hate just the image of Jairzinho, who's not the tallest cat fighting someone like Derek Lewis. Pretty solid card on Saturday. We did lose a fight earlier today, unfortunately. Alonzo Menafield tested positive for COVID-19, so his fight with William Knight is off. But uh, it's going to happen at UFC 260 now, so that's good. Confirmed that with multiple sources earlier today. Hany Barcelos also tests positive. His fight with Marcelo Rojo is off. Rojo now fights Charles Jordan on March 13th. Barcelos not really sure at this point. So, uh, Jose? Yes. Let me ask you this, Jose. You know where I'm going with this. Under the radar fight, fighter, storyline heading into Saturday. What sticks out to you? Ooh. I mean, anytime a fighter takes a fight on 
like less than two weeks notice or even less, it's going to be interesting. So the Angela Hill versus Ashley Yoder fight is super interesting, mostly because Angela Hill uh, was so vocal in the fact that Tisha Torres was turning down the fight. And she is more than willing to welcome Ashley Yoder into the rematch on what, like a week's notice or something like that. So that's always interesting. Um, but I'm going to say the absolute first fight of the card. I'm a very big fan of Dustin Jacoby. I was at his contender series fight uh, and he was all smiles when he got that contract. Dana White said, if I don't give him a chance now, uh, he'll probably never get another shot. So he won me over. I remember his earlier fights, which weren't even televised because he was on the Facebook prelims or he was bumped from the Fuel TV prelims. If you remember those, that might've been before uh, young Nick Baldwin was even alive. Uh, so I remember those days vividly. So Dustin Jacoby, man, I'm excited. I know there's a lot of other fun fights like the Rivera-Munoz rematch and Nikita Krylov and all those fights. But as a fight fan and someone who's been at these fights uh, recently and have, in, and have interacted with some of these fighters, Dustin Jacoby won me over. He's definitely one of the – I'm obviously – I'm not rooting for anyone, but it's a feel-good story whenever he uh, goes out there and puts on a performance because I didn't think we would ever see him fight in MMA after his two losses because he was a Bellator cast-off. He was in the same boat as Anthony Smith. Like he go, he loses and he has to go onto the regional scene to get a few performances, take several years off. So uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm very much looking forward to Justin Jacoby fighting uh, on Saturday. Nick, what do you think? What's your under the radar fight fighter storyline? My under the radar fight is the main event of the prelims. It is a lightweight bout between Alexander Hernandez and Tiago Moises. Um, there's been nobody talking about this one just because there are some other good matchups on the main card. And this one is kind of buried, not buried on the prelims, but it is on the prelims. I think this is a killer matchup though. I think this is probably one of the better fights on the card. Um, Chaga Moises is coming off a, a few big wins over Michael Johnson, which I thought was one of the better submissions of 2020. And then a close win over Bobby Green to end the year. Um, Alexander Hernandez has bounced back since a, a bit of a rough patch. Um, within the past couple of years. And I think the winner of this could, you know, make the argument that they deserve a top 15 opponent um, or at least one win away from that just because lightweight is obviously the best division in the sport, most act in the UFC. Um, but yeah, stylistically, I think Hernandez can present some problems on the feet um, for Moises. And then obviously if Moises gets him down, that could be game over for Hernandez. I just think stylistically um, it, it's an incredible, incredible matchup. A lot of people a lot more people should be talking about it. Um, and then the stakes are, are relatively high, um, given the fact that there are two guys on winning streaks in the lightweight division. You can make the argument the co-main event might be the most under-the-radar fight. I don't, uh, it's just it's just absolutely insane, uh, the, the, that fight coming up. Uh, like, everyone just talks about the main event. Nikita Krylov versus Magomed Ankalaev is insane. That is such a great fight yeah. for a co-main event, not getting enough love. And I guess my under-the-radar storyline, poor Alex Oliveira. He stays on the card, loses Randy Brown, and then he gets Ramazan Kuramaga made off. So he gets back-to-back, like, unbeaten killer prospects after fighting Shafkat Rachmanov at UFC 254. Man, Alex Oliveira, props to that guy for taking this fight and staying on the card. But some really fun matchups on this card. Sabina Mazo fighting Alexis Davis. I believe that's at 135 which is an interesting uh, decision from Sabina Mazza. So I'm excited to see that, but uh, it's the go home show for UFC 259. That's so going to be a lot of fun. We'll be t- discussing that pay-per-view at great lengths here on the program next week, but which gentleman will be here to discuss said pay-per-view. We will find out because this has been a fun matchup on BTL this week. Will it continue? The point for round four goes to. 
The man with probably the best hair in MMA right now, Jose Youngs, has tied it up. Just crushing. I, I can't stop staring at it. It's like the the Zach Morris season four style right there. It's just just outstanding, my man. Can't do I it. I have never seen that show, it. but I will believe you. Oh wow. You're I know. I am the only guy, human being <laughs> I'm a, the only human being alive that's probably never seen uh Saved by the Bell. I but I'm number I two, wonder if so. I'm right there with say, you. Nick's not right. seen it either. Nick, <laughs> there's a lot of things Nick hasn't seen. Follow him oh, on absolutely. Twitter. He's a great follow because you'll just be blown away by the things he hasn't seen. But uh, <laughs> listen, we're all we're all tied up. That means we're heading to the knockout round. One question will decide it all. And as you have seen in 2021, we're trying to add some new wrinkles to the knockout round, mix things up a little bit. But each of these gentlemen are going to have 60 seconds to answer a question that they have no idea about. Once that is done, with the help of all of you, the wonderful viewers of this program. We will turn it over to the judge, the jury, the executive producer, Judge E. Casey Lydon, to render the final decision. So, Jose, you are the champion. You get the prerogative. You going first? Are you giving it to Nick first? Is this the same scenario where behind two doors, there's two questions? Kind of, sort of, but there'll be one question. I'll give you that much. Nick can go first then. All right, Nick. You're going to pick the poison for the knockout round, so to speak. So there's three potential questions to choose from. You're each going to answer the same question, but we're going to let fate decide what question you're going to answer. So we need a number between one and three. Let's go number one. Going number one. Let's see what we got here. Ooh, all right. So here's the question. Nick's going to answer first. Jose will answer the same question. Nick, it was announced earlier this week that Sage Northcutt will return to action for the first time since his brutal knockout loss to Cosmo Alexandri nearly two years ago for one championship, his opponent live on TNT April 28th will be none other than Shinya Aoki, the Japanese legend with over 50 professional fights who is on a three-fight winning streak. So the question is, your thoughts on the matchmaking? Was this the right call to book Sage Northcutt against Shinya Aoki on April 28th? We got one minute on the clock. Your time starts now. If you're investing in Sage Northcutt as a guy you want in your promotion for years to come, I think this is a terrible matchup. I think Shinya Aoki can probably just get him down and, and tap him out pretty quickly. He has so much more experience. I get it that Sage has youth on his side, but that won't matter in this matchup. I think Aoki probably has a good shot to win. If you're just here for sort of the freak show matchup and, and, and the fight that'll get the most eyes and, and you don't really care about the, the future of Sage Northcutt, you don't care if he has one more fight after this or or if he retires after this, then this is the, the, the perfect fight because uh, I wouldn't necessarily tune in for Sage Northcutt versus a guy I've never heard of. I, I might check it out if, if I can, but I wouldn't make it a priority. Now I'm actually excited to see Sage Northcutt return from a two-year layoff against Shinya Aoki because what if he doesn't get taken down or, or, or submitted? Maybe he can win. So this is a, a, a bizarre matchup and I'm here for it, but if, if they're invested in Sage, it's terrible matchmaking. All right, one minute off the clock. Nick Baldwin, our challenger, with a compelling answer. We now turn it over to the champion, Jose Youngs. Minute on the clock. Northcut v. Aoki, one on TNT4, April 28th, year of our Lord, 2021. Your reaction to this piece of business, is this the right move? Your time starts now. I freaking love this fight. 
especially if it is in a ring. If Shinya Aoki is fighting inside a ring and he gets to wear tights, oh my God, inject that into my veins because that is just everything about it. Like Shinya Aoki is one of the guys that I remember from even like when I was 12 and 11 fighting those days. Stan Norco was probably like five or six year old. He didn't even know what an arm bar was when Shinya Aoki is snapping arms and giving people the fingers and dressing up like superheroes. And he re- freaking grappled Fedor Melianenko in like an exhibition match. I can't remember the guy's name. I just watched it, but he had a fight where the first round was MMA or kickboxing and the second round was MMA and he got knocked out on the kickboxing in the MMA fight in the MMA round so I am about it anytime Aoki fight like he's lost who's he lost to Alvarez Askren Melendez gets tapped by or Cronin and Gary Tone like he loses to not just the best of the best but the elite terrible matchmaking for stage north cut awesome fight for fight fans <laughs> wow so after hearing those two minutes this is the fight of the year in 2021. Sage Northcutt versus Shinya Aoki. And, you know, give it to him. Ingest it into the veins. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You've heard the arguments. Leave your thoughts, your decisions in the chat. And while we wait for those to come in to catch up to the delay that you may see on YouTube, just a reminder, we will get you ready for UFC Vegas 20. We'll have our preview show tomorrow. Also on Saturday, we'll have our pre-fight live show 30 minutes prior to the event. I can't give you a time because we don't know yet. We don't know what's going to happen on the scales tomorrow. So uh, you've been enjoying those. We'll have post-fight show after the card. And then AK and I are back with on to the next one, do some matchmaking as we get ready for UFC 259. And we'll have lots of coverage of that event. Thanks to the man on the left side of your screen. So stay tuned for all that. Okay. Casey Lydon, the honorable E. You've heard the responses. Northcutt V. Aoki. You see what the peeps are thinking? What are you thinking? What is your decision? Who is leaving the virtual arena, the BTL champ? I've made a decision. (laughs) Your winner, mostly because He mentioned his pants. <laughs> and still, Jose Youngs. Oh, there we go. See, one of the things we have learned in this program, you got to know who the judge is. And Jose knows Jose knows how to, uh, how to grease up the judge with the, with the words Don't of wisdom. Don't fight so harder, fight smarter. That's how you have to approach <laughs> these knockout rounds. A hell of a matchup it was, but Jose, like like we know, no money, no title belts, at least for right now. But uh, listen, if you're a fantasy belt maker, this is an opportunity for you maybe to get a little sponsorship action here. You know what I'm saying? But Jose, 30 seconds, talk a bit about whatever it is you want to talk about, good, bad, and different in the sport of MMA. The floor is yours, champ. Man, I'm really excited to watch Alistair Sarris fight this weekend. Uh, obviously, he's a fellow weeb. He's probably one of the OG weebs in the game. He used to walk out to the Cowboy Bebop and the Fooly Cooly song. He used to dress up like Naruto and all, and all that kind of fun stuff. I think he's really coming to his own right now. But, man, he was on fire at Virtual Media Day. If you haven't watched his Virtual Media Day scrum, wait for my victory speech to be over and then go watch his Virtual Media Day scrum because he was unbelievable. Like, he – awful questions – 
like no offense to a lot of the media that are tuning in because of course they're trying their best and uh there's obviously language barriers and stuff but they got some fantastic answers out of alex Casares. so pro veteran like true veteran of the sport someone who's been around the ufc a lot longer than i think people uh, realize so yeah go watch Alex Sarah's also not MMA related totally forgot to mention it last week last week was the anniversary of the station nightclub fire in West Warford Island uh, truly dark day in my home state and I completely forgot to bring it up because I was not expecting to be Josh Gross but yes we shout out to all the survivors and first responders of that terrible day in Rhode Island well said, my man. And then we, uh, we're going to give Nick some time as well. He steps in on short notice. And this is one of those fights where you come in on short notice, you lose a, a squeaky tight decision, but your stock still rises, In uh, at least in my opinion. I don't know how the viewers feel, but at least in my opinion, Nick. And thank you for coming on. Any, uh, any words for the peeps? Well, I learned a lesson next time, if there is a next time. I just got to say pants a bunch of times, and I'll probably get my hand raised. So um, if I do that, then, um, you know, I'll, I'll avenge this loss to Jose easy. There you go. Nick is the man. Thank you for stepping in on short notice. Brian Kelleher, where are you at, bro? Where are you at? I'm the bald, beautiful man on this program, not you. That's going to do it for the show this week. Thank you all for watching. Get excited for next week. We will get you fired up for UFC 259. Loaded card, three title fights. Of course, Israel Adesanya looks for his second title against Jan Blachowicz in the main event. Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson for the women's featherweight title. And how about Piotr Jan versus Aljamain Sterling for the bantamweight title. A big week upon us. Big weekend upon us as well with UFC Vegas 20. But for Jose, Nick, Judge Casey Lydon, and the iconic voice of Esther Lynn, who takes you home. We'll see you next week right here on Between the Links. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links. I'm Esther Lynn. Thanks. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.